The good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit have been doing two episodes a week um, for quite some time now, and it's all thanks to, first of all, Jason, and second of all, our patrons, who allow us to add the space on our server, broadcast more, store more, share more with you listeners. I'm envious of those of you who have unlimited storage and media server capabilities. We we pay for ours here at, at the C4FAP. It ain't cheap. We thank you so much for those of you who go to patreon.com slash comicsfunprofit and contribute at any level to say thanks, to say I want to be a part of your Slack channel, conversations. I want to get exclusives. I want to get early access. I want to get ad-free access. I want to get swag. I want to get some free stuff. Whatever your reasoning is, we appreciate it at any level because it does make a difference. So from the bottom of Kyle and I and Jason's heart, thank you for contributing. Aloha! It's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing comic book creator Stefan Frank. He's here to promote his latest Kickstarter, Palomino. Now, um, now, Stefan, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to be volumes two and three. Is that correct? That's it- correct. Okay. Yep. Now, volume one is available on Dark Planet Comics website um, for $19.99. Now, the campaign will start on April 11th and will run to and will end on May 10th. Stefan, Welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Yes. Listeners, you guys are in for a treat. Um, Stefan is has an incredible history, work history. He is an award-nominated amateur, uh, animator, writer, director, comic book creator um he he well, who supervised the animation of marvel studios what if and is currently directing new episodes of this series i, I hope i got that information correct zach yeah absolutely yeah all right now he was also supervising animator on the cult classic the iron giant he also worked on the story for despicable me he co-created the animated tv series Cornel and bernie um, on Nicktoons um, Hub Network. He received an Annie Award nomination. Now, according to Wikipedia, the Annie Awards are accolades which the Los Angeles branch of the International Animated Film Association, or ASIFA Hollywood, has presented each year since 1972 to recognize excellence in animation shown in cinema and TV. Now, he was nominated for Best Director in a TV Program for the feature at Smurfs, The Legends of Smurfy Hollow. He has founded a comic book publishing company, Dark Planet Comics. I'm going to ask you, for our listeners, can you just... Oh, no, actually, I'm going to... Sorry, I'm going to ta- ask you that question in a bit. So, now, he's also... He, his graphic novel debut was Silver. That earned him a Russ Manning Award at the San Diego Comic-Con Eisner Award. His other graphic novels are... Rosalind as a prequel to Silver and the first volume of Palomino. Did I miss anything? 
No, no, I, I, this is exactly, <laughs> this has been busy, busy <laughs> but years. Uh, I just, just, uh, to, um, uh, the Russ Benning Award, uh, I was nominated, but didn't win. So, I just oh, need to okay. Make sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry about that. Thank well, you. Where is it all? Now, I'm going to ask I you. wish I had one. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want to add anything? Do you want to spotlight and anything, one of your particular works or anything to for our listeners? All this stuff. I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, you know, no, I mean, you you hit it all. You know, it's just uh, that's pretty much. I mean, there's also a lot of other stuff, but I, I'm going to say those are the titles or the movies or the shows that uh, people usually, you know, that made an impression on people that had like an impact and that people usually come to me and say, hey, this thing, whether it's the Iron Giant, whether it's Silver, whatever, you know, what if, of course, you know, those are, you know, despicable me. You know, again, I think those are the, the ones that really had more of an impact on, on people. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Now, Stefan, I just want to say you are living the comic book fan dream. You are you you are an animator, you're a writer, you're a director, you're a comic book creator. You like I said, you are living that dream. That's great. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know I, well, yeah, I'm incredibly lucky. You know, it's when I was, I started doing all that stuff when I was, I don't know, I want to say six years old, you know, literally, you know, yes. and, uh, um, and I've never stopped and uh, I've been able to work on some of the, you know, characters that I grew up with, I grew up loving and, uh, you know, and now I get to kind of continue, you know, giving them life and exploring, you know, stories and themes through them. And it's just like, yes, I mean, it's true. You're right. It, it is uh, a dream come true in a certain way. Yeah. Now, before I start getting into the interview, I want to give a big shout out to Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, thank you very much for asking the comics for Fun and Profit podcast um, to do this interview. And thank you for sending up this interview and for an advanced reading copy. Again, That's Hannah, great. thank you very much. Would you like to add anything to that? No, she's awesome. All right. Now, where can listeners follow you on social media? So on uh, social media, you know, you can either follow me, Stephen Frank, or Dark Planet, either on your Facebook, your Insta, you know, basically Twitter, you know, um, but uh, the, you know, the hub is the darkplanetcomics.com, uh, um, where mm -hmm. you get all the news and info and the books and, you know, all the stuff, you know, is everything lives there, you know. I'm sorry, off the cuff question. So um, when did you start? Um, Dark Planet Comics. I start. That's a great question. I started Dark Planet in. I'm trying to remember if it's 2013 or 2014. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, you know, was doing. I, as I said, I grew up, you know, doing comics and animation and all that stuff. You know, and then as a career, animation is where we took off first and became sort of like the the life project. And around 2012, 2013. Um, it occurred to me like, hey, wait a minute, I want to do the comics too, right? Let's not forget, you know. And so, um, when I when I just because you know when you do animation, you do it for the big studios, and it's 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 great, and there's a lot of you know, but also it means being very dependent of a big corporate infrastructure that you yes. can't control, you know. And so for the comics, I really wanted like a counterpoint to that. 
And mm -hmm. so this is why I was like, you know, let me start my own publishing outfit, which is Dark Planet Comics, mm -hmm. and which I, you know, I can creatively have complete control yes. in terms of the release dates of yes. the books and everything. I've created a complete control. So that's that's so that started twenty third in twenty thirteen. Um, 2013, 2014, around the time where we released the first silver book. And then, I'm sorry, another off-the-cuff question for listeners. What is um, silver about? Oh, yeah. Silver uh, Silver is a continuation of... It's an original universe that is based on the Bram Stoker's Dracula universe. Mm -hmm. And you have this group of con men who team up with this woman who's a vampire hunter. Her real name is Rosalind Van Helsing. Uh, she's the last of the Van Helsing, and together they try to steal a precious silver called the silver, uh, precious treasure mm -hmm. called the silver dragon, uh, from a castle full of vampires. What could possibly go wrong, right? So, so that's the first series that I I did getting back into comics, and the the full sto uh, story is four trade paperbacks that. Uh, were published uh, uh, between 2014 and 2018 uh, um, by Dark Planet Comics, and uh, and then um, just a couple of years ago, we we entered like this uh, this arrangement with uh, uh, um, uh, Abrams Comics Arts. Oh yes, yes, right. Who are just amazing and do, you know create beautiful books and stuff, and so now they're they're taking over the publishing of silver so we're working with them and they've put together this amazing hardcover uh the first one uh and it's honestly as far as i'm concerned is the ultimate edition of the work so far you know and uh, the first book came out uh in the fall mm -hmm. of 2022 and the second book so like the first book the first hardcover has trade one and two and mm -hmm. the next one that's coming out this year has trade uh, uh, three and four. And so you have the full story now in this beautiful hardcover edition. Uh, and uh, and those books, by the way, can be ordered slash pre-ordered for the second one through the Kickstarter campaign of Palomino 2. Oh my God. Now I'm interested in picking that up too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, since we're in the world of silver, right? So like what's really cool is so you have the silver story and then there's also a prequel to it, which is just simply called Rosalind. Yes. And that's so Rosalind Van Helsing, you know, was you know this vampire hunter in silver, which you meet as mm -hmm. an adult, you know, in silver. But Rosalind is her diary as a child, and that's a very very unique book, and it's a it's a, it's a very interesting thing. It's a little bit different because mm -hmm. it is a diary, so it presents itself differently. It's not a regular comic, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but it, it is definitely super compelling and super fun. But that's pretty cool because you're playing in your own sandbox. You're playing with your own toys, and yeah. you can you can uh, either yeah you, know, you can like like you said with um, Rosalind, you you can make it into a diary format. Yeah, there's no one above you to say. That's right. I don't, I don't know if that's what to I anybody. I, I just make it and I take it to the people, and you know they like it or they don't. You know, so uh, it's. Um, it's it's a it's a great counterbalance to mm -hmm. other word that is fantastic, but that by definition involves tons of people and you know. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to move along. Um, during a Screen Rant YouTube podcast interview, now that was dated 
back, I believe, in September 3rd, 2021. Mm. You mentioned that your parents own like a comic book store. Now, yeah. may I ask, can you talk about that? Because that, that sounds so cool. Because like you said, as six-year-old, you were drawing, you oh love comics. God, yeah. I mean, go for it. Like, where okay, well, from? yeah, you know, uh, well, let me tell you, one day, one day I was like maybe in third, second grade or third grade. I don't know. I was very young, yes. you know, and um, my mom's picking me up from school and she, uh, um, and she, uh, um, she picks me up from school and she said, hey, we have to stop by the grocery store, you know, and we, we stop by the grocery store and I just see this aisle of comics and mm -hmm. I become transfixed by it. And I'm like, can, can I wait here? Wait, she, you know, and she's like, yeah, sure. Right. In those days, those were different times, right? So, yes, yes. Uh, uh, so I'm, and I'm like, and I know what I picked up. I picked up this Green Lantern and this Flash, you know, kind of comic, whatever the French version was in French, right? But, but the point is, my mom comes back and I go like, "Would well, you want to? Can I get this?" And she's like, "Oh, you like these, you know?" And I'm like, "You're, I'm like six or something, right? I don't know anything that's happening around yeah. me, you know that." And she's like, "Do you like, do you like these?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like this." And she's like, "Yeah, we'll take." But she said, "You know, I have a lot of those at the store," and I'm like, "What the <laughs> hell are you talking about?" Right? And so it turns out that my parents did have a store that, for some reason, it didn't click in my head at that young age. Um, the, and it was a store so we lived on the very outskirts of Paris in this very kind of blue collar kind of mm -hmm. you know uh, area and there was a store that was this kind of basically this neighborhood store where mm -hmm. you had you were, they sold books comic books mm -hmm. uh, magazines newspapers mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, school supplies so that meant drawing supplies mm -hmm. Uh, my my you know my dad had a photo studio in the basement. He would process people's films and stuff. They had Super 8 film that you know. So all that and also cigarettes. They sold cigarettes and bus fare and stuff like that, which probably is what kept the doors open. But the point is, like, oh my god! Once I realized that I was there, that became my like cave of wonders of storytelling, and I got mm -hmm. into all of it. Right. So we had the French comics, the American comics, we had the newspapers, we had mm -hmm. the this there was books there was even records you know uh, yes. uh the, you know toys i i for and when i was 10 years old i was the one like when christmas time came I, me and my brother were the ones kind of designing like the the toy window and stuff like that so it was magical you know and this is when i fell in love for sure with like comics again the french ones the american mm -hmm. ones and all of it you know if you don't mind me asking like can you like name a couple French, you know, maybe some well well-known French comics that yeah. you know we we may know here? Sure. Um, well, Tintin is obviously oh, okay. a very well-known one, and I had every single. I mean, you have to understand, I had every single. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 there was a Western comic that would be like kind of cartoony, but really well researched because the the writer had lived in the you know in america in the west uh, mm -hmm. for a while, you know it was called uh, lucky luke you know and that's mm -hmm. uh that's very 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 popular you know um you know there's uh, uh so that's when i was young right so yes. uh, there, you know so those are the most well the smurfs obviously i grew up in mm -hmm. the smurfs you know um and 
so those were like really the French one. There was Asterix also, which I yes. really like, but for whatever reason, this is not the one I connected with the most. I mean, I, I don't know why, I can't tell you why, but the, you know, it was Lucky Luke, Tintin, as far as French comics, I think those were like at an early age were my favorite ones. And then of course I, there was, uh, uh, um, uh, there's you know a lot of great comics in France, right? Like, you know, and you have all the sci-fi stuff, right? Mobius. Yeah, you know a lot of the big sci-fi movies of mm -hmm. the 70s in America. You know where the design were really influenced by French uh, bande dessinée sci-fi of the 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, so all that stuff, you know, uh, people like Druyer, you know, Bilal, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, you know all those those amazing amazing authors. And I had a book. I still have it right now. I mean, like you can see right there. Yeah, you know, I know we're doing doing audio, but you can. Mm -hmm. I still have those books back there. There is this book that I called, uh, you know, file, you know, like the flying saucer dossier. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it it was a, a kind of like a quote unquote nonfiction mm -hmm. comic, super well drawn, mm -hmm. and it was basically like nonfiction. Every yeah. UFO story is recorded, known at the time. Whatever, dude. That that book was my. Just capture my imagination mm -hmm. like nothing else ever. Wow. Oh. Um. And then I'm going to add one more thing to you. Yes. I, then the craziest thing, it was my favorite thing to do in the world is was when my, you know, mom, my mom would uh, every so, you know, months, three months, whatever, she would go to her uh, distributor, right? Like, for instance, if you were coming so short and you would go to Diamond and because there was no catalogs, it's like you would, she would literally go to the warehouse and pick stuff, oh right? God. So when I would go to her, to with yeah. her, to, we, we, you know, be in this place, uh, yes. you know, pallets and it's a warehouse and you open the book and it's like, <gasps> The Spirit by Will Eisner, what is this? Oh, the new blah blah blah. What is this? And I just like that was. There's couldn't be anything more magical to me. God, that's amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh, that just sounds so. Uh, that sounds so awesome. And the store that your parents ran, it's perfect. It's perfect for um, artistic creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Well, the photo, the photo lab under in downstairs. Yeah. The records, the music, the comics, the toys. You know, because kids can you know make their own stories. You know, whatever yeah. bars yeah. or action figures, they can make their own story. And then, like you said, they also um, sold um, school supplies too. Oh my! Yeah. Wow. You know, to this day, I can't go into an office depot without like feeling like, oh my god! <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Just like just love this, you know, like this idea of this story idea. I want to write. Let me go get like a, a notebook and a nice pen, and let me mm -hmm. sit yes. to Kirby Hall and write it. You know, it's just like it was all so available. You know, it was oh incredible. God. Just the, the the I was so fortunate. You know, wow! I said that that's really cool. Now. Like you said, you started when you were six, started to draw. What was it at six years old or was it later in life that you decided to work in animation and in comics? Well, I'll tell you a story, like, uh, uh, which must have happened when I was six years old. Uh, um, and I know I can't place the time because mm -hmm. my dad passed away when I was seven. I'm so I know it was before that. So, uh, um, and so one day he was looking for the 
so he goes to the living room, right? And yeah. he finds that the, the, the coffee table, which was a glass coffee table, was yeah. missing. And he's like, where's the coffee table? And he looks around the house and he goes up the, the, the stairs to my room and he finds me and for, I don't even know how I managed to do this. I brought that coffee table to my room yes. and I was using it as a light box to animate Tintin's rocket taking off. And I was six years old, you know? And the gift of, I think, parenting, you know, that is that a lot of dads would have gone, what are you doing? This is this goes in the living room, right? Yes. Uh, but he didn't say that. He saw what I was doing. I said, wow, now you're all set up to do your work, you know? Oh, it's nice. It's been my work ever since. Never stopped being my work, you know? Now, may I ask, what was your first reaction when you saw your name on the screen, whether it's TV or on film? What was your first reaction when you saw that? I'll give you the, the real answer. Um, the first movie that I worked on, uh, 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 like I, I did internships and stuff like that, but the first movie that I worked on full time just when I graduated from school was um, was uh, 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 Five All Goes West, an animated tale, uh, uh, oh, yes. an American tale to Five All Goes West, right? And let me tell you, that was so hard because... Um, just you know the there was amazing artists you know and stuff mm -hmm. and, you know and you know in 2d animation you have animators and at the time it was an assistant animator so it means that i had to go over amazing drawings from my animator and do them justice and and just mm -hmm. you know and which was really really hard so it was like crying tears of blood every you know so it was a very very hard time for me mm -hmm. just because i was fighting so hard to be able to do a good job mm -hmm. you know so there was a lot of really sort of blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. And so we went to the screening and it was great. And then they gave us, they all gave us the VHS of the movie mm -hmm. a year or two later, right? You know, and so I'm I'm holding this object in my hand mm -hmm. and I was like, well, that's it. You know, <laughs> like just this idea of how built up that whole experience had been mm -hmm. to me in terms of like, my hopes and dreams and me trying to kind of raise to the level that I needed to be out to do a good enough job to feel like, you know, I contributed, you know, in a good way and stuff like that. And also all that, all that effort and, you know, so yes. and it's just at the end is that, yeah, it's just like he goes here on the shelf. Right. And so, and I felt me, made me feel really weird, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, that's was like a first step in me realizing that the outcome is not the point is the experience is the yes. journey mm -hmm. it's just like well is the work that you're doing while you're doing it and how you're present for it and hopefully you get to put some truth in it and and stuff like that but it's not like you there's no medal mm -hmm. that you can get at the end that yes. will ever be matching the effort and the sort of like yes mental and emotional investments and mm -hmm. effort that goes into any of those things and the human adventure of it it's the adventure of it that, that is the point so i'm going to ask you what was your first reaction when you saw your name on silver uh yeah, that was amazing so, so like which is funny now because you're talking about now i'm holding an object in my yes. hand but that is meant to be an object mm -hmm. you know? And like when I had the first, when the first trade came out and I had it in my hand, I was just like, 
that was really magical. And and the beauty of books, and which mm-hmm. is different from movies, because movies are so, you know, every dollar makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So if you spend a hundred million dollar on the movie, it's not going to look the same as if you spend fifty bucks on a movie. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like you know, you, you the money really make is you know part of the the equation. But books, once the books exist and you're at a convention and you're presenting it to people, a book's a book for the audience. And and a book by any author from any publisher sits on anybody's shelf next to any book from any author from any publisher. Mm -hmm. And and so it's almost like the reverse, right? And and so, so no, it it was uh, very, just, it was, it was huge, you know, for Mm -hmm. me, but I'll tell you the, 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 the moment that I'm going to say was the most striking mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in Silver, uh, uh, the, the journey of doing it, you know, was uh, when we had the first cosplayers. Oh, because, you know, I, you know, as you know, you want to do the, the Marvel stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so, for instance, with What If, you know, when we... Uh, um, when our very first trailer came out, like I think in, in 2019, like mm-hmm. 23 or something like that. Uh, I mean, six weeks later, I was uh, at, you know, New York Comic Con and they were already like the cosplay, you know, uh, players had been activated to be, you know, like Peggy Carter and stuff like yes. that. And, and it's just like, which was amazing, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, it's Marvel, so it's like yes, you know, there's already an audience. There's already, you know, yes. But for a a a, a series that is done comp- in complete independence, mm-hmm. you know, completely grassroots, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and we did sell a lot of books through conventions, through you know, all the, you know, we did, we, you know, it was real grassroots. It was really embraced. There is a real reader, readership to it, but when you start to see people embracing your characters and and out of, without any sort of having the benefit of a huge footprint in the world to begin with you know it's it's a it's a, it's incredible that is really nice did your mom see any of your works either animation yes she saw almost all of it uh she uh sadly she passed away last year Uh, um she was 89 so she had a a long you know beautiful life you know and it was uh, she was lucky enough to be all there and well and living in her life and in her you know apartment and until three weeks you know three weeks you know uh before you know she was still in her studio you know uh, writing and editing poetry for people and stuff like that you know and and then she was gone like a Jedi, you know. So I'm sorry about that. I'm going to ask, do you remember what was her first reaction when she saw your works, either in animation or in comic? Uh, you know, it's it's a really good question. Here's the first memory that I that I have. You know, so like um, when I was a kid, right? And and um, yes. the big thing was for any parents. And like, okay, so I'm going to flip the question just a little bit. I'm not, not, I'm not going to flip it. I'm going to find my way around to it. Oh, yes, that's you know, like as as I was saying, you know, I do a lot of comic book conventions, especially before COVID. We're just getting back into them now. Mm-hmm. Before COVID, we're doing like maybe 10, 15 big shows every year. You know, so I met a lot of people in a lot of different towns, different different corners of the country, um, and 
every so often, you know, you see a family comes in, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a teenager anxiously holding a portfolio, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 then, but even more anxious than the kid is the parents, yes, mm-hmm. right, because they're like first they want to know two things: does my kid have what it take to just do this as a profession? Mm-hmm. B and if they do, are they going to starve or are they mm-hmm. yeah. okay, right? So there's that anxiety, right? Uh, so for any parent, it's always like if you're not yourself a professional artist, you know, and you're not in that, you know, it's of course very scary. So like for my mom to, um, again, just like my dad, go to like encourage it and go like, you're serious about it. This is your work. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do it. You know, what are the schools? Right, the school? Mm-hmm. All right, well, then you have to get into the school. Da, da, da. So she was always super supportive of seeing it as the life project, you know. But the thing that I remember is when uh, when I was 10 years old yes. and I had done this, this couple of pages of a comic that I'm not even going to say what it's called because it's so ridiculously embarrassing. But, uh, but it was kind of a Spider-Man knockoff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just remember bringing it to my mom, like in the kitchen, and she was like, "Yeah, it's great. It's great. Oh, it looks good. It's good. But what does it mean? What does it really mean? What is it about? Why well, it's a guy trying to? Yeah. No, no, no. What is it about? Mm-hmm. You know. And so I was like, "Oh yeah, what does it all mean? Why are we doing that? You know. And, and so that." So that that was her first reaction, which, yes, which no, was, yeah. you know, to not just like, well, can you live off of this? Can you do that? But even before that, well, what are you really? You're trying to contribute something to the the world of arts and storytelling yes. and the culture. What is it that you're trying to say? You know? mm-hmm. That that's great that she. That's great that she was supportive, and. And being um, critiquing you in a creative way to push you forward to make you grow. That's, yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's the thing that I've I've because um, I've raised three kids by this point. You know, and mm-hmm. they're all great. You know, uh, not that I'm taking the credit for it, but it's just like. But I've picked up a few things along the way, and, and I and I think one of them is like believe your kids. Mm-hmm. Believe your kids when they're telling you something, believe mm-hmm. them, no matter what it is. Believe them. They're telling you. If they're not, you know, they're they're serious. When they tell when a kid because kids don't, you know, if, if they come to you to tell you something, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's they mean it, you know. So believe it, take it seriously, and you know, and help them if you can, you know. Thank you very much, Stefan. Thank you very much for thank you. For answering those questions. Thank you. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Now I'm going to move on to Palomino. I'm going to read two quotes. One is from Zeb Wells. Everyone knows who Zeb Wells is. Palomino sits alongside Sin City, Stray Bullets, and other hard boiled classics while singing with an original, unique, authentic voice. Lived in, brutal, mature. This, the comic book, nor at his best. And I agree with this other quote. I love this. And it's amazing. It's it's an amazing quote from this legendary creator. To be clear, 
it's been at least a decade since I've taken such unalloyed, that means complete, pleasure in reading a comic book. Trust me on this. Howard Chaikin, the legendary comic book creator. Uh, it's it's humbling, you know. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know that that's you know the, one of the when I you know after years already doing animation obviously, so there's a lot of you know experience there. But when I started doing you know getting back into doing comics, what like like I said, maybe ten ten yeah, about ten years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't know if anybody would embrace it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, I didn't know if the hard core comic fans, you mm -hmm. know, like me, right? Like the people who want to be buried in the Green Lantern outfit kind of dudes, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. me, you know? But if, would this, would Silver and Little and Palomino speak to them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which it turns out that it did, which is great. But also uh, um, spoke to a whole new audience of comics that did not... Uh, come from comics before mm -hmm. uh, who maybe you know watch the walking dead on tv and then mm -hmm. they go like all right i love this stuff where is this coming from and then they find their way to the the new graphic novels and they found stuff like silver palomino and he speaks to them you know mm -hmm. yes uh, but the the third group that was I just had no expectations i know you know was that uh, um the, the the people who i considered you know my, my that i'm a fan of you know uh, people like Tim Sale, people like Bill Sienkiewicz, people yes. like, you know, who all came out of the, you know, and just with amazing um, appreciation for it and, and just yes. their quotes, you know, uh, that, that's, there's a who's, like, it, it became like an artist's artist, mm -hmm. bunch of series, you know what I mean? And, and that, to me, means so much, you know. Um, I'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, let me just at least say this is that I love this story. The opening page with I I'm gonna to try to pronounce Eddie's daughter's name correctly. Lizette. I'm sorry? Lizette. Lizette. Lizette and her friend. I love it yeah. because yeah, yeah. they're just walking on some path, some path, and this is back in the early 80s. Again, that was a different time when kids could do things on their own without <laughs> You know, being fear of being shot at or taken or, or you know, or, just, yeah, or maybe it was just as dangerous. We just didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> but I love it because they're walking. They're um, well, like in high school, they're already smoking, and they're just they're they're just they're just talking story. And and what I love about it, the dialogue felt natural. It didn't. It, it felt real because they were talking about what's going think, on in their lives. And it felt like right. even that opening page just felt like two friends and I know them and I believe that they've been friends for a very long time. And that's the that's thing that awesome. started to suck me into the story already. Yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. I mean, that's what I'm trying really to do is to, uh, to you know, to be natural with the dialogue. You know, I'm, I just try to uh, you know, there's a lived-in quality, especially Palomino. Mm -hmm. It's really such a lived-in book on so many levels. You know, yes, it, it's a crime story that it's a neo-noir crime story in Los Angeles, right? So I've yes, I've I've no knowledge of any crime. I, I, just, <laughs> I just, all that stuff is from imagination, right? Okay. <laughs> but um, 
but you know, raising uh, daughters in LA, mm-hmm. what teenagers are like, mm-hmm. what the parent relationship is with teenagers when you're trying to give them their space and you know but you're yes. always trying to you see stuff and you're like all right should i just let it ride and let them figure it out or mm-hmm. is this like code red and i need to do something mm-hmm. you know I mean? yes uh, so just this, this whole experience the the uh, also then there's of course you know the the hero is he's a detective by day but he's a musician by night yes. at the palomino club hence the name palomino which used to be an actual place in in a uh, music place in LA that clo- is closed now. But um, but so you know part of my life that we have not talked about you know is that I you know used to be a musician also. I've played clubs mm-hmm. since I was 15 years old to uh, maybe a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know and and so and a lot of the actual musicians from the Palomino are friends of mine and we work together in other um, clubs and stuff since and stuff like so. There's a even the music of it, the knife light, the light um, night life of it, yeah. the you know the club life of it, the the, the music world that just, mm-hmm. just that you know all that stuff. It's straight from. I'm just trying to channel that experience that yes. is firsthand and just kind of pour it on the page. Mm-hmm. Before we get a little bit more deep into that, because I'm gonna ask. Sorry, I'm gonna. I gotta ask a couple of dumb questions. I know we already start to touch upon it a little bit. Um, now, the first volume of Palomino is available through the Dark Planet website. Is that correct? That is correct. It will also be part of the campaign. So if people like when they, they want to support, you know, the Kickstarter mm-hmm. and get volume two and three, and maybe they're new to the series, they can mm-hmm. also get volume one from the the Kickstarter campaign. Okay. All right. Now, this is the dumb question I'm going to ask you. We've already, we've already talked about Eddie. Um, we've already hinted that's already start. It's in the you specifically put it in 1981. Yeah. Um, Eddie Lang is a former cop. Now he's a PI. Um, yeah. He's got a daughter. So we've already introduced some of the. We've already talked about some of the characters. But for listeners, what is the story about? Yeah. So. Uh, so it's it's a very interconnected story where different thread, uh, strands kind of you know kind of yes. weave together and then converge and right. Uh, so um, so on the one so we have this this this, this duo right this father and daughter yes. and he is like this kind of hard boiled character like a former cop that had to leave the force in disgrace and then who kind of settled into like being sort of like a small time kind of private detective, you yes. know, uh, uh, by day and then musician by night, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, but he's a thick skinned, hard boiled kind of guy, very somewhere between Clint Eastwood and Steve McQueen. Or something, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, but he's got this daughter and she's, she's a teenager and she's hilarious. And the thing is, she may be just even, maybe even more hard boiled than he is, you yes. know? And so, um, and so, but so they have this bond that is unbreakable between mm-hmm. them, you know, because they're cut from the same cloth, you know. Mm-hmm. But at this time, there's this this dark cloud that's looming over their lives, mm-hmm. right? Which is that uh, uh, Lena, who is uh, um, Lizard's do- uh, mother, her yes. mom, and who was Eddie's wife and the love of his life, 
is presumed dead. She mm -hmm. she was she went missing, but most likely dead. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in a in an unresolved uh, unsolved murder yes. uh, a few years ago, and obviously that that's left this cloud that's looming mm -hmm. super large over their life. And so so that's one element of the story because uh, Lizette now is getting to the point where uh, things happen. Uh, she, uh, and th that wound is reopened and now she wants to know she wants to know why did her dad why is he not investigating this case what mm -hmm. did he, you know and turns out there's a reason why he's not doing it mm -hmm. right? anything but but she is like pushing pushing to the point where she may do something on her own and meanwhile he who Again, doesn't want to have anything to do with murder, with big cases like that. He mm -hmm. wants to stay out of trouble, to stay with his daughter, keep his family together, right? Mm -hmm. But this TV actor, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, his wife is murdered in yes. mysterious uh, circumstances. And this actor is starting to get the idea that, uh, you know, he may take the fall for it, although he has nothing to do with it, you know, so he mm -hmm. says, right? Uh, so, um, so he needs, and he doesn't trust the town, you know, because yeah. he knows how the town works, right? And he's just like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'm the lower guy on the totem pole. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know. And so, um, you know, so so he he hires Eddie to uh, uh, to investigate the case and find the real killer, so mm -hmm. that he doesn't have to. So, but of course, you know. Uh, uh, somebody's wife uh, gets murdered, mysterious. You know, again, it's too close to home, and it's mm -hmm. like all this stuff is going. And of course, it's a neo noir LA crime story, so everything is inter is interconnected. Nothing is yes. what it seems. It there's ramifications that will go into like the whole power structure of the town and the mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you know, and so everything starts to unravel. And that's the thing I love about this story is all these little strands eddie is just a eddie's now eddie's just the he's just a decent guy he's just trying to make a living like you said he's trying mm -hmm. to make sure he protect his daughter make sure she's okay he loves her um the types of and what i mean by a decent guy listeners is that eddie um he does the it you know he he's even though he's a private investigator it doesn't, it seems like he just sort of kind of does the run of the mill. Oh, can you please follow my wife? I think she, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, I think she's having an affair. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, but this murder, but when he's asked by Mr. Wilcox, um, yeah. a famous TV star in the story, things seem to get there. There is, there's a lot of of seedy things going on there's too many people involved where that's right that's right have... you know it's the thing with la you know that that is very typical and i mean although i mean this year we had this crazy long and cold winter mm -hmm. but typically it's pretty much sunny 99 yes. of the time and so you get this kind of very sort of heavy sort of stillness to the mm -hmm. town where it feels like nothing's happening mm -hmm. but in reality everybody has a million things going on you know so that's kind of like the vibe in the book you know it's i love it i really do because there's organized crime involved it's come mm -hmm. someone's coming in telling eddie mm -hmm. hey you know 
Mr. Wilcox didn't want you to investigate this, you know? <laughs> and then Eddie's, I'm going to say maybe former partner, police partner, or yeah. kind of is hinting to Eddie, no, there's no case here, Eddie. Yeah, just yeah, move yeah. along. Yeah, you want to you stay with the case, you know? The town wants you of the case. Yeah. Know? Don't go and... Mm -hmm. And then there's another... Now, correct... Now, I'm not going to spoil this. I'm not going to say anything, but it seems like there's another group involved. Oh, yeah. They're trying to, like, stop him literally completely. Right, stop right, him. Right, right, right. You know, and... Yeah, yeah, it, yes, it, yes. Like I said, it's like, wow. It's like there is... and But Eddie's kind of going... Yeah, and it's all connected. Everything's yes. connected to the, 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 the entertainment industry, to the political structure of the place, yes. to the... the and all of it is sort of rooted in like LA history, you know. And also too, in the first, before we even meet Eddie, we meet Mrs. Wilcox, um, and um, and this is no spoiler because she's the one that's murdered in the first few pages of the yeah, volume yeah. one. But when we meet her in like page three or four, I love it how you already set up that there's already a power structure because there's someone that approaches her at the ranch. Mm -hmm. or the horse ranch yeah, yeah yeah and she has this big she mm -hmm. goes you want to talk to me you have to talk to my bodyguard you know <laughs> yeah you don't talk to me you you know and they're yeah, already yeah. there's some you can tell something's something's not right <laughs> yes yes there is a lot going on people have a lot going on you know under mm -hmm. the sun you know under the 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 the, the false uh feeling of you know it's like, you know, the deadly water, you know, like when the water looks very, very calm, but under there's like deadly undercurrents. Yes. So this is kind of the, the, the thing, you know. Now, what inspired you to write this story? Um, well, they, so so that, that's that's a great question. Like to me, there's two different aspects. There's two answers to it that, that yeah. exist uh, in parallel. One is... And it's true for any story that I, that I work on, right? It, it is like, on the one hand, you have um, the the high concept of, you know, mm -hmm. why is it exciting, right? Uh, and so, like, for me, I always knew, I mean, everything I do end up having this noir feel for some reason, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's different types of noir. It was kind of pulp noir, you know, adventure pulp noir, you know, mm -hmm. silver is... Uh, um, you know, it, it, it's neo noir LA story, you know, uh, for this one. Um, but uh, uh, so, so yeah, there's the noir aspect, which was like, you know, I always wanted to do like an LA noir type story. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, again, from my background music and the you know, and the yes. Palomino and all that stuff, you yes. know. Uh, 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 that's a world that I know so well. And I just remember like being a kid in France, like and and you know, seeing some record, having some records that you know had pictures of the band from the Palomino, and the, you know, the, you know, and I was like, oh my god, that's such an interesting subculture. You know, this is so mm -hmm. cool. That you know, um, and, and, you know, and so so having the two together, and and also the Palomino again was one of those places where like. Uh, um, it was such a crossroads of, mm -hmm. of a time when the cowboy was everything. You're talking about from, you know, 1981, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's when Ronald Reagan, the, yes. literally, you know, a movie cowboy was president. Gotcha. That's when, you know, uh, um, so the cowboy was the image that America sold itself with to, to the world and to itself, mm -hmm. you know? 
uh, so culturally it is relevant. Also the 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 era, right? The eighties, right? Uh, a lot of people. Th- we've seen a lot of stories mm-hmm. from Forrest Gump to The Watchmen as the eighties, where the are as the place where the fifties come to die. You mm-hmm. know, but really the world of today, the the fork in the road, like whatever wherever we are today. It's all rooted in the in how the world changed in the age mm-hmm. on every level. Uh, so the, the 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 you know the so all that stuff, right? Uh, so you had like a like a, a very and and you know and the thing I was going to say, you know, like in the I don't think it's already in the the copy that that uh, we sent to you, but mm-hmm. there will be a uh, in the the actual edition there will be an interview because you see how in the in the first book I interviewed. Some of my friends who were like uh, historical, you know, musicians. At yes. the mm-hmm. uh, so I also have uh, Janet Thomas, who's uh, who'd be, in the, who'd be in the second book. She's the daughter of the guy who funded, who founded the Palomino and ran it, you know, all the way through that that time. And and she grew up there, and she right, and, and so all those stories of all these world intermingling, you know, yeah. it, it's it's real. And she was telling me this story uh, 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 that her grandfather had this uh, uh, this uh, Model T that was always parked in front of the club, and there were bullet holes in it. They were <laughs> left there by the the cops who were chasing him during the prohibition era. So when you're talking about a place that is so culturally branded and significant for the era, that is this crossroad of all those, you know, you know, so you have all that stuff, you have the crime, you have, you know, and of course, that's a, that's a concept I've had for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing. But the, to me, you can have a concept like that, and it doesn't really, still doesn't move the needle until you kind of have your way into it. Like mm-hmm. what's, again, I'm going back to what my mom told mm-hmm. me when I was 10 years old, right? Which is like, but what does it mean? Mm-hmm. What's, what are the people about in this mm-hmm. story right? and so and so some, sometimes i have those ideas that are in my head for years and then, mm-hmm. then they're still like just there just concepts are floating around and then one day be walking down the street it could be very often it's when i'm in a foreign place because then it kind of re-scrambles the world mm-hmm. and you're and i suddenly i'm seeing this scene between eddie and lizette mm-hmm just out of whole, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, he's got a daughter. Mm-hmm. He has a daughter. That relationship, that's it. And I and I wrote that scene in like two two couple of hours. Yes. And that scene ended up not being in the book, by the mm-hmm. way. But it didn't matter. I had the characters, I yes. had their relationship, I had my way in. And so once I had that thing, mm-hmm. I just forge ahead, you know. Because it sounds and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you said, you know, for Eddie and his daughter, you just had that vision in your head. And like you said, even though it's not in the story, you know, you already, they're, they're, um, you had their lives. You know what their right. lives are already. Yeah. yeah. Certainly um, they existed as yes. people. Certainly they presented themselves as people. And all I had to do is just like, oh, here you go on your way, you know? And, there's one scene in the book, I love it, when it was, it was, um, he was making eggs for his daughter. Um, 
And he says, okay, you sure you're going to go to school now? You're not going to skip out? Yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And I know there was something, some, there's some stuff going on, but the one full shot, the one full page that I love is she's kind of like, okay, I'm off to school. And she's kind of like running down the street and he's, he's on his porch. You see the back of him. He's on his porch wanting a coffee. And for some reason that conveyed he loved his daughter. It, it just showed that he wanted to, you know, of course, I, I don't know I, why I think, or how. Yeah, no, I'm so, so happy you picked up on that page uh, and on that moment, because mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a moment that any parent knows the mm -hmm. moment that their kids are old enough to just go somewhere on their own. You watch them leave mm -hmm. and you get this thing like, all right, here you go. It's you mm -hmm. and the world now until tonight. Yeah. you go. It's it's that emotion, you know, and that's mm -hmm. what I mean. And it's like you, until you 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 have your way into the story, on that deeper level, mm -hmm. it is you know, nothing clicks until then, you know. All right. No, thank you very much. You talked about the Palomino. It's a key setting in the story. Um, now, I'm going to ask because. The music that they played at the Palomino, is it like a country music? Mm -hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so you know, like the thing that people don't necessarily remember these days is that Los Angeles used to be a country music town until oh. the 80s. Yes. Uh, that's because there was the a lot of culture, but it was not the same country music as the country music in Nashville. Okay. First, um, it was a lot more rooted in club life mm -hmm. because that's what, you know, whereas in Nashville it was more like the, a hub for touring, you know, recording and touring. Mm -hmm. But uh, so you had different traditions, like, you know, you had the dust bowl in the twenties and thirties, uh, and thirties, yes. right. And so all the Okies and people from the, uh, um, the, the uh, Appalachia, you know, just came west and came to the central valley to work in the fields you know uh, mm -hmm. california central valleys the gra grapes of wrath right mm -hmm. it's just the whole thing right um and, and so they brought their music with them yes okay and so after world war uh, um two yes when the cold war started all the children of the okies i call it you know uh, just came down to to the San Fernando Valley here, mm -hmm. or to the, the LA Basin and stuff like that, to work in the aerospace industries of the Cold War, where mm -hmm. all the planes, all the missiles, all, all that stuff was built here in LA. And, and that's, so you had this kind of union, so that a good union jobs, uh, 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 upper uh, um, sort of well-paid middle-class, mm -hmm. you know, jobs and they still like their music music and then and, and they had money in their pocket and they would end and the clubs were thriving mm -hmm. you know, the palomino was just one of them but you know you had like 600 people on a tuesday you know what I mean? mm -hmm. every day every week you know I mean? uh and it was not just one club it was a few of them right mm -hmm. and then that culture died uh when the the cold war started to taper off mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and so on, but, um, and those, those jobs, can, so it's all a whole other thing, but just to stay on your question, so you have that, that, um, you have that culture, and then you also have the hippies, right, like yes. the, the cosmic cowboys of the 60s, you are, mm -hmm. you know, 
uh, your uh, uh, Grand Parsons and so on and so forth, right? And, and then you had who were like very connected to folk music, but mm-hmm. also they were just trying to be to do country. Like uh, in the in the interview in the in the in the first book, my friend JD Menez, who's a steel guitar player, mm-hmm. you know, played with everybody as you can see in the interview from you know, mm-hmm. I mean, giant rock stars to clubs here, right? It's just every you know. And so, uh, but he he he's the one who played him and Lloyd uh, uh, Lloyd Green played the pedal steel guitar on the Grant Parsons historical albums, right? Uh, uh, and and he was saying Graham was not trying to be different, mm-hmm. or you know, he was just trying to do country music. Except mm-hmm. he was a hippie from California, so it came out different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and so uh, so you have you have the Okies and their music with the Bakersfield sound and all that stuff. So that's present. And then you have the, the hippies and the cosmic cowboys who are around and who are bringing this whole other thing to it, you know? Uh, and then you have uh, um, the, uh, uh, you know, um, the, the, the Hollywood cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is all that whole culture, you know? And so, yes. so, so, and, you know, and then you, of course you're in LA, so you have a lot of, you know, you you have the blues. You have a, a very strong uh, uh, Latino presence. You know, uh, you know, in music too. You have, you know. So it's this. It's it is country music, but mm-hmm. not in the not the Nashville country music. Mm-hmm. It's it's the left coast country music, if you will, and, and it's completely okay. unique. Couple more questions about the the music and the story. What kind of because I've seen the instrument Eddie plays, but what is it called? It's called the pedal steel guitar. It, is it on like a stand or something? And it's, there's there's like, can you ask, can you describe right. it? For so, so, yeah, so here's the history of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it all came from Hawaii, actually, right? Because oh. it, you have the Hawaiian guitar, like the, yes. the steel Hawaiian guitar, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the 1930s, yes. there was this, moment when uh, Hawaiian music and steel guitar music from Hawaii became super popular in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because country music was the pop music of the time that was you know, very, very present. It said, oh, that's a popular side, a, a sound. Mm-hmm. We'll use it. And mm-hmm. this is why very quickly the steel guitar sound of, you know, that slidey kind of sound, right? became like a signature sound of early country music. I mean, you hear it from, you know, in Hank Williams, you know, and, and all that stuff. But then in the 1960s, um, they were like, yeah, it's great. But, you know, just the fact that we're just sliding the bar across the thing, you can slide the bar a little bit and hit some, you know, minor chords or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a little too limited, right? So that's why when you look at how those those old steel guitars were mm-hmm. by the way yeah. Fender before they did electric guitars were doing steel guitars like that right so they had double necks triple necks because mm-hmm. each neck had a different tuning right mm-hmm. uh, so you could play different type of things but then that became why well, instead of having three necks with three different tunings yeah. why don't we have only one neck but start but invent a system that can bend the notes Mm-hmm. So in the 60s, 50s, actually, 50s and 60s, they started to add pedals 
So mm -hmm. to to those things, so that you had to sit because you know you're sitting right. So the pedals were pulling on the strings, so they mm -hmm. would raise the, the the tone of the string. So you would go from like a, an E to an F sharp or something like that, right? Uh, and and then they were like, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. but what can we do to lower? So then they added levers that you activate with your knees, so uh -huh. that you need to be sitting because you know. And and those lower the tone of the string. So now your E would go down to a D, for instance. Mm -hmm. right? And so that became, that sound became the signature sound. When you think country music, mm -hmm. that's slightly with the bendy notes and that kind of swells and all that stuff. That's a sound that everybody knows. Yes. Mm -hmm. and most people have no idea how it's done. And it's done mm -hmm. on this instrument called the pedal steel guitar. Oh. Thank you very much. And it's so cool that you have all this knowledge because yeah, the Palomino story is not yeah. just it's not a it's not just a crime noir story, but it's but it's you know the Palomino is a club that's an actual place where you know music was performed. Yeah. You know, the, the, I'll tell you, you know, like the as you said, like the the, the lived in kind of authentic aspect of it is super, I think is what gives elevates the book as you said beyond it's just a crime we're trying it's not just the crime of the week there's also a, a, you know like a, a, a depth to it that comes from that authenticity like for instance uh, um when i started the book like the first book was just uh, four or five years when you know, i started it in like 2019 something mm -hmm. like that yeah 2019 so that's four years ago i started in earnest mm -hmm. on the first book um and um my youngest daughter was away at school, in school, <laughs> right? And she, I was, I sent her a couple of pages and she was like, wow, this book makes me homesick, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, man, this is the, you know, LA, it's it's our home. And, but it's, it lives in the book, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the music, were, and, and same with the, the thing, right? Like for me, whenever I had a musician friend who, lived through those years at the pal mm -hmm. who just tells me hey, it was exactly like that or like oh this or this you know mm -hmm. i'm like yeah this is that's it that's i couldn't be i feel like it's mission accomplished you know mm -hmm. i just want to ask you one more question about the how important music is into the story before i start um getting a little bit more into like what's volume two about and so forth oh yeah um because and clarify for me because when Eddie's at the Palomino, he's playing on stage with his band, you know, because he's part of a band. Yeah, he's part of the house band. Um, and when the singer, um, whoever is singing, you have the words on the page. Mm -hmm. um, was that, in and because if I remember correctly, I think because I read some little bit about the back matter that when you had the singer sing the words, the words were on the page. You didn't want anything else. Um, right, right. Because I was trying to, because you know, sometimes you look at how is music portrayed in books, mm -hmm. in comic books, right? And very often it's portrayed with symbols. Yes. Like they will put like uh, uh, musical notes or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah. and the problem with that is that it's a symbol. You you understand, but you're not feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and especially since like very few people read music. So mm -hmm. even if you were to put the actual, you know, the, the, 
it's just like it doesn't mean anything to anybody it's beyond mm -hmm. just a symbol that you oh i get it there's music playing but mm -hmm. i think symbols get in the way for me because mm -hmm. visual storytelling in terms of the drawing really making you feel the experience mm -hmm. so what i was trying to do with these pages is like I'm just gonna I'm a very kind of method type artist when I draw. I just I'm just in it, you know. I just can't I can't tell you what I why. I'm mm -hmm. just in it and I'm just trying to feel it and just kind of let it come out of the, the pen, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was just trying to feel that music and just draw the what it feels to play it, what it feels to hear it, and just trying to put that in the drawing and just put the words and either it comes across or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Off the cuff question: The songs that the the words that are on the um, on those panels is that from an actual song that you? I yeah, see yeah, I like the, the 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 song. The first song we hear is an actual song. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all actual songs, but uh, that yes, it, it, you know, uh, but they're existing songs. Then in volume two and three, when we get to things that are uh, uh, have a, I don't want to spoil, but that have a, a specific sort of fictional functioning the story then those are become songs that we wrote for for the for the book mm -hmm. and like especially that song go go sherry joe that's in there that's something that my friend mark goldberg and i wrote for the for the book stefan i'm going to keep moving on um so i'm going to start asking you about campaign tiers so for volume so Correct me if I'm wrong, the Kickstarter is going to be focusing on volumes two and three. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, so um, do you do you have, can you talk about some of the campaign tiers that would... Um... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I try to keep it pretty simple, right? Mm -hmm. So mostly it's about book two and three to begin with, right? But also because people keep discovering the series and stuff. We also offer in tiers that, you know, with, with, with volume one and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and of course, like if you get volume one, two and three and or either whatever, right from the, I'm totally fine with people just discovering it now and just getting volume one from the campaign, whatever, just want to get people into it, right? So if you're ordering books from the campaign, I will sign every single one of them, which I do with every, which is of course not the case if you just order it later from the web or from the mm -hmm. store or whatever. So, so I have those three books in there, mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also those amazing um, silver hardcovers, mm. and we're rolling them into the campaign, like the, the, the you know the first one and the, mm -hmm. the second one that's coming out in just a few months, so you can pre-order it through the campaign too, and those also uh, will come signed. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Rosalind that I was mentioning about, you know, which is the prequel to Silver. Mm -hmm. That also, so so basically we have those one, two, three, four, five, six books that people can get from the campaign and that all any of those books will be signed by me if people order them from the... Mm -hmm. Then there's also uh, um, uh, prints, signed prints, because oh. there's some really cool art mm -hmm. that's from Palomino mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, um, you know, some pages or some some of the illustrations, some of the covers are print worthy and they're really cool and they really mm -hmm. sell the vibe. You know, this is like the first campaign was the only campaign where some people just wanted the prints, not the books. You know, uh, uh, um, uh, um, but uh, uh, I'm gonna say those people were mostly musicians. You know, because they oh, wanted mm -hmm. uh, um, the 
cluster of the the Palomino and the, the, the you know but so but so yeah we have some really really cool art mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and so it's a combination of uh, all those things you know uh, you know just try, try to keep it simple mm-hmm. about what it is and mm-hmm. no gimmicks no uh, great books mm-hmm. come to you signed mm-hmm. and you get to make them exist into the world you know that's I'm just asking. Are you going to have maybe a variant cover or two for volumes two and three? Uh, I, I not this time around. Okay. Um, not this time around. It's just uh, I I don't have the bandwidth for it. Mm. And, you know, and uh, I I like to do new covers for new editions, so so that it's uh, um, you know either there's new material in it or or the the way it's presented is is slightly different or whatever, right? So, but. Um, I don't have the the bandwidth to do uh to do variant covers. Okay. Um now let's say someone has read volume one, they picked it up last year. Um, and let's just say that they hear about this interview two months from now. Campaign, the Kickstarter campaign is over. Um, is there any other way that they could get copies of volumes one and two? Absolutely. Uh, all the book once the campaign is over. Mm-hmm. All the books will be uh, orderable from the website. Oh, okay. So they, people can go to once you know once the campaign's over and the books are printed and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you can go to the Dark Planet Comics, darkplanetcomics.com, and order the books. The only difference is those uh, uh, that are shipped from the the web the uh, web store. Those books are not signed. So mm-hmm. they look great, but they're not signed. But if you want the signed edition, it's from the dark. So the the the, the Okay, all right. And also, I cannot say this enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the spirit of this is very much, you know, for to, and this is what I like about Kickstarter oh, is I'm like sorry. it's it, 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 it's a readership and it's a fandom that is zero percent toxic. It's all about no, there's some, we we believe in this, we like this story, it speaks to us we want to help make it exist and we're like a stakeholder into building the, the culture and not tearing it down. So uh, that's to me is why I like the Kickstarter stuff so much. Yes. Now, do you want to give shout outs to members of your creative team? Yeah. I mean, there's uh there's, 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 you know, uh, somebody who's been working with me ever since uh, um, the second silver volume. So that's, mm-hmm almost 10 years ago this well not yeah 2015 and that's going on 10 years it's a long working relationship and it's wonderful it, it, um it's jeff marsick uh-huh. it, it's the books uh um and does a wonderful job at you know catching anything and everything and making sure that the books come out as 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 wonderful as they uh-huh. can possibly be uh so he's, he's a great great collaborator and uh you know of course one of the you know my wife christine yes uh, uh who um did this because honestly with the schedule that i had uh um i could not have done it otherwise uh but she did all the flat coloring for book two and three which mm-hmm. is which is the part that takes you know a huge amount of work and huge amount of time and she did an amazing job doing all that stuff and without her help she was you know it, it, you know 
it, it got busy for a few months for both of us, you know, but um, so yeah, she's an amazing collaborator also. And she's been, has been, mm-hmm. I mean, been married for a long time and in every possible way, a wonderful partner, but definitely in this whole comic book adventure, she has been an incredible partner. I, because I'm going to say, I forgot when we were emailing back and forth, I forgot to mention, I love the colors. Oh, you know, thank you. There is, again, um, and I'm going to say, I can't remember if it's in volume one or in volume two. Um, Eddie has his um, pickup truck. He's driving mm-hmm. like on the freeway, um, but it's sunset. And I love the yeah. different colors of yeah. orange to show the sunset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've I've come to... It's funny because color is probably the 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 let the the stuff the the aspect of like the art gigs that I picked up the latest in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I picked it up by osmosis because you know with so many years working in animation, I work daily with uh, uh, some just incredible art directors. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of anything I ever learned in art, you know, going all the way back from, you know, Fireball Goes West, whatever, mm-hmm. is just standing over the shoulder of people and watching their, their mm-hmm. them, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's because you're their assistant and sometimes you're their director, but it doesn't matter. You just, mm-hmm. you're, you're just watching people do their magic and color is something that over the years, I was not doing, but over the years, just working with our directors in animation, I just, I picked up some of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it became, and once, and, and and Silver is a black and white book because it's a pulp noir mm-hmm. kind of 30s, kind of, it puts you in that, in that space immediately in black and white, you know, but for Silk, for Palomino, it had to be color, but you cannot do LA without color. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it became such a, it's almost my favorite part of the process. I have to mention off the cuff, I have to mention it in the first two pages of volume one, um, where the two girls are walking, they're smoking, and then all of a sudden you see Mrs. Wilcox riding on a horse. But the thing I love about it that she's got this flashy cowboy suit on. And she I'm pull, sorry. She pulls it off. Yes, she does, and and I'm gonna say, and like I say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just brought me back to, um, or even Eddie's costume. It kind of sort of brought me back to the movie, um, the Clint Eastwood movie, Bronco Billy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he was still trying to keep the cowboy tradition alive, but yet he, all their costumes were. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, well, you know, Clint Eastwood was at the Palomino a lot, right? Like the uh, all those movies, uh, Every Which Way But Loose, yeah. that takes place around the Palomino. Uh, um, you know, like that bar where he's hanging out, or Bronco Billy with the the bar where he, where the place he's singing, you know, with yes. Sandra Loke. Uh, um, that uh, that's the Palomino. Holy the real. Oh. Wow. Yeah. The, so, some of the musicians that the, the, the uh, uh, um, I've um, interviewed, like my, my friend, like JD and those guys, you can see them in some of those movies playing on stage in the Palmy. Oh my God. I have, now I have to try, I have to rewatch. It's been years since I've seen Bronco Billy. Yeah, or Hooper. I'm sorry, what was that? The, other the movie, movie Hooper with Burt Reynolds. Oh my God, the stuntmen. 
Yeah, it's it's you know the the Palomino was a, a big stuntman hangout. You know, Evil Knievel was there uh, every week, uh, sitting in the front row. You know, and so on and so forth. You know, uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's an incredible. Place. Um, sorry, sorry, Stefan. I'm I, I'm 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 gonna keep moving on. Sorry. Um, um, you made a now, you made a couple dedications to important people in the in your in your life i'm going to ask would you like to mention their names and how important yeah i mean like the the two people who uh, who passed away uh while i was making the, like the last year uh one is my mom that i already mentioned yes. uh you know obviously she was a huge influence in my life uh uh and um and she was an incredible person uh she is to a degree the inspiration for rosalind oh, okay. uh okay uh, that's a crazy story right there. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, then um, the other person is Tim Sale, uh, who um, I've became close friends with uh, when I started, you know, doing comics. And that people may not know that, I mean, like, I don't know how they would know this, but, uh, um, but um, or, so Palomino was one of several books that, like I said, I didn't quite have my way into that, mm -hmm. right? I, I knew the dual concept, I knew it was going to mm -hmm. be one more, blah, 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 but I didn't have like the whole daughter, father thing. Um, and um, so I, that's, I have a lot of projects like that, that mm -hmm. I, I, you know, focus on at any given time and, you know, and give them a go. But that, that was one of those that I knew I wanted to do. I just didn't know what the way in was so that I sort of put it aside mm -hmm. and uh and and uh, one day Tim and I were hanging out at the Phoenix uh Comic Con. Yes. And um uh and we were just talking about like how we really wanted to work together, you know, on, mm -hmm. a, on a series on a project. And uh, he said, Do you have a noir story that I can draw? And I was like yeah, man, you know, I have this neo-noir idea. It's called Palomino Tinella. And he was like, man, let's do it. So we, we kind of all went home. With the, so over the course of the year, you know, we kept talking. And, but I just could And uh, he, he was waiting for me to write it, you know, so yeah. I get started. And I couldn't quite. It, it took me almost a year to find what, until I had this uh -huh. insight. And I certainly knew what it was. Uh -huh. And by the time that happened, um, it just became clear that he was not going to be able to do it. Yes. Uh, and so, which I mean, and at that point, as I'm very like, you know, I always write stuff supposedly for other people, and then I fall in love with it. I go like, no, I have to draw it myself. You know. <laughs> so at that point, he was like, "Dude, this has become so personal to you." you I need to draw this. Like, yes, I think I need to draw this, but he couldn't do it. And so, so we didn't, and we ended up not collaborating on the book at all, but he was the impetus that made me get the Palomino concept out of storage and mm -hmm. go, I'm going to put this front and center. I'm going to try to give this a real go. Right. Yes. Um, and that, that's, that's the story. So, and as people may or may not know, he passed away last year, and it was, yeah. you know, and that was, it could not have been a first, you know, it, you know, it's really funny, like, it's, I, you know, I have books in my, in my bookshelf right there behind me that I've had for, you know, 
40 years, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have books that I've had for 10 years or whatever. And, you know, and once in a while, I pull something out of storage that I've not seen in five years, in 10 years, in 40 years. And then you open it and you were like, oh, it's funny. I remember it being perfect and I'm seeing a lot of things. Yeah, it's still cool, but I'm seeing stuff I didn't see before. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But there's very few works that it's like the speed of light never slows down. Like no matter, you can open it 10 years ago, you can open it five years ago, you can open it 40 years. It's still as perfect and as much of a masterpiece as it ever was. Like Hellboy is that, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. And Tim's work was that way, you know. The master work that is perfect for all times and you 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 will never get to a place as an artist where you've grown where you have gr outgrown it mm -hmm. never because it is masterful right mm -hmm. genius uh, so so as an artist he was one of these very very few people uh, um, that i feel i'm never gaining a higher value point on, on on their work because it was already perfect you know uh, 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 but also as a human being, it was, uh, you know, just golden, you know. Thank you for sharing that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. What's really nice to hear, <clears throat> excuse me, what's really nice is to hear about how your dad encouraged you from six years old to keep drawing to your mom who supported you and really pushed you to grow as a, you know, as a, as a creator mm. and for him sales to again to like you said push this palomino idea out of storage you mm. know to make you know and i realize now that the palm the your story the palomino is your passion project it's your love it's your love letter to the the actual club itself yes. and it, it, all i can just say it's Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for talking a little bit about your dad, your mom, and Tim. But like I said, thank, it's, you. thank you for having me. Yeah. No, but it's just nice that they that they kept pushing you, creating. You know, it, it's like you know, like the cliche is "no man's an island." You know, yes. and it, it is it is absolutely true. You know, it, it's just uh, excuse me. Um, it is uh, anything like there's no step like I can say that I've had a life in storytelling mm -hmm. you know, time, you know, uh, uh, but no step of it ever was taken alone, you know, whether it's with parents that encourage you, mm -hmm. whether it's your peer at school that encourage you mm -hmm. or in, uh, in in a studio situation that encourage you, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, masters that you get to work with that mm -hmm. you learn from, that it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's all, and then let's not forget the thing that's changed my almost entirely my relationship with storytelling was doing comic book conventions and meeting so many thousands, thousands of people mm -hmm. who came to you, come to you, and you 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 have a conversation with them, and they you don't know you for this thing or that thing, mm -hmm. or whatever, and they share with you like what I'm what I'm sharing with you today is personal on some. If there's a personal quality to it, but it's nothing. Mm -hmm. compared to what the people who come to the, the booth at the you know share with me in mm -hmm. terms of what different works of storytelling have meant or mean to their lives and, and, mm -hmm. and some you know 
So there's a generosity from the from the readers that's mm -hmm. there. Generosity from the people I learned from and worked with and stuff like that's that is just like you know, and they say, you know, they say always oh, they never meet your heroes. Yes. I've met and worked with a lot of my heroes in many different fields. Mm -hmm. I've worked with the, in music with the people that I learned to play over the records. I've I've worked in animation mm -hmm. with people that uh, um, uh, you know I, I I watched their movies when I was a kid and you yes. know like same is coming you know and none of them has ever disappointed me in terms of who they are as a human being. Thank you for sharing that. Two more questions and then I'm gonna wrap this up. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? We're dying to. Like okay. we haven't, you know, I'll tell you that like the, the curse, the, the, cause you know, uh, as you know, we know I'm French, right? I mean, I'm, I'm American, too. I'm an American citizen, but uh, uh, I was born in France. Uh, um, and, and so all, you know, my, my wife, my kids, you know, everybody's here in LA cause we've been here 30 years at this point, you know, but the rest of the family is in France. Mm -hmm. So and especially when the kids were growing up, you're kind of tied into like, well, whenever you can travel, then you go back to France. You go back to France yeah. because you want the, the 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 kids and yourself to have this relationship with your family and something. So, but you know, it's just like, oh, so like, yes, for us, we have to go to France. Oh, boohoo for <laughs> us, right? You know. But man, meanwhile, they're like, yeah, maybe it would be nice to go to Hawaii. You know, and it's, <laughs> Hawaii has become this thing that we're like, we got to do, you know, we got to do this at some point. We got to do it now, you know. So I can't wait to, to, to go to Hawaii. I'm really looking forward to whenever that chance. Okay. All right. No, thank you. Last question. Any closing words to our listeners? Um. Any closing words? I mean, beyond that, well, thanks for listening. <laughs> and I'm very happy to meet you through this podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, like these books are, I think they're they're definitely very personal. You know, like the, yeah, I'll tell you something. When I was at, um, at uh, you know, work for all the studios, but I, I, about 20 years ago, I, I spent a bunch of time at Disney before, mm -hmm. Marvel and stuff was uh, uh and um when we were like developing stories there there was this thing that the execs kept saying you know when they would step into the story room and we would mm -hmm. pitch them what we were doing and whatever and they would say listen our movies cost a million dollar a minute mm -hmm. is the one minute you just pitch me worth a million dollars you know so you're trained in trying to really make everything stand out mm -hmm. that every page in the book is a page you remember mm -hmm. that if this is going to be a fight that takes place in a certain setup that it is the best version of the fight that you can you know that no idea is the first thing that comes to your mind but it's just like it's a little you know you you worked on it just a little bit hard you know just just to figure out okay that's cool how do i crank that up to 11 right so mm -hmm. Uh, so you know, like the the what they say in you know about movies, and I think it's true for every story, you know. But they say specifically movies are the combination of two traditions: the circus and the theater, you know. And so, 
what I try to do with these books is the circus is correct as well. Like it, it, you will be amused. You will mm -hmm. be entertained for sure. You know, mm -hmm. at the same time that the theater is there too. And like I was saying that there is a way into the human experience mm -hmm. that is that means something to me and hopefully it'll mean something to you and hopefully we'll connect. We're all different people. You're in Hawaii. I mean, LA, somebody's mm -hmm. in Kansas. We, we're all different people, but we're all human. Yes. And the point of all of this, it's to connect through like the, this this true human experience that is the same for everybody. And then whenever we tell a story, we all get to connect that way. That's the idea. Stefan, thank you very much. I wish you all the success with Palomino. Mahalo for your time. Thank you. And thank mahalo. You so thank you in Hawaii. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure. It was a wonderful conversation. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much. I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions. Again, Hannah, thank you very much for setting up this interview and for the advanced reading copy. Now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, and if you love like Spin City or crime noir stories, please check out the Palomino Kickstarter campaign. It starts on April 11th and ends on May 10th. I love this story. Even though there's uh, Eddie is the private investigator trying to solve this murder, you know, these webs, these webs of um, the, un the mob, the questionable police for the town, you know, and also another factor in the group, you know, is coming into play with this case. The main thing is, is that the relationship between Eddie and his daughter, that feels real to me. I see that connection that he loves his daughter. And as you've heard me um, mention that the dialogue feels real, it feels natural. And also too, um, like I said, please check out this Palomino Kickstarter campaign, it's its Stephen's um, passion project. It is. And I love it because he brings the authenticity and the history of the Palomino Club. I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. In a world ravaged by war and chaos, a group of survivors must band together to brave the dangers of a post-apocalyptic landscape. The year is 2000, and the world has been plunged into darkness. The nuclear fires have burned out, leaving behind a wasteland of ruins and radiation. But amidst the rubble and despair, a glimmer of hope still remains. Join Dork Day Afternoon as they face off against marauding gangs, enemy soldiers, and even the harsh elements themselves in the world of Twilight 2000. Will our heroes survive the challenges ahead? Can they keep their own humanity intact? Or will they succumb to the harsh realities of life after the end of the world? Two Past Midnight, an actual play podcast by Dork Day Afternoon.